0: I actually call menopause the straw that broke the camel's back because the camel was already limping and already having a hard time, and that is cortisol. and. You know, I always call cortisol, thyroid, and insulin the three musketeers, you know? And so they hang out together and they affect each other. And so it's this chronic assault on our cortisol that a lot of times is what brings our thyroid down or affects our insulin. But most people, most women, by the time they're 35, 40 years old, have significant cortisol insult. And then here comes menopause, right?
1: (laughs) Welcome back. To the Essentially You podcast, all about reinventing your health with safer, cheaper, more effective natural solutions and powerful lifestyle changes, so that you become the CEO of your health. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder. Did you know that over fifty million women here in the U.S. are in menopause, and yet we are scrambling to find root cause solutions for women in menopause and even perimenopause. That is 40 years old and up. Now, it reminds me of the call I received from my mom at 11 p.m. at night. Now, I will never forget the call from my mom a little over 10 years ago. The fear in her voice after taking synthetic hormones that made her feel worse, so much worse than she had felt three months earlier. She was slowly slipping into a depression and didn't know what was happening with her. And I remember asking her, Did you add something to your health regimen? And then she told me. It's important to know that hormones are powerful messengers with connections all over the body. And if they are given without a root cause understanding, sometimes they can do more harm than good. That was absolutely the case with my mom. Experiencing firsthand my own hormone issues, I felt so much for my mom and was determined to get her feeling like herself again. Although those first two months were hard, my mom had a complete transformation. And as I write this right now, 10 years later, my mom literally just sent me a picture of her finishing the LA Marathon. Now, I don't know how many marathons this is at this point, but it is a lot. And oh my goodness, go mama, go. I will be sharing more about my mom's story in later episodes because supporting her was one of the biggest reasons why I wake up every day and live and breathe women's hormone health. Now, I love this work so much, and there are times when I am literally angry at the lack of support for women in perimenopause and menopause, especially as I'm wrapping up this manuscript. I've had to dig into so much research, and oh goodness, there are definitely days where I am lit up about how. Women have been mismanaged and mistreated. As I wrap up this manuscript, I will be focusing on more topics related to women's hormone health concerns regarding pelvic floor health, libido, sleep, fatigue, inconsistent periods, heavy bleeding, and estrogen dominance, plus so much more than that. So keep turning into this podcast because I'm going to go deep down the perimenopause and menopause solutions, and I can't wait to bring you along with me. And due to my passion for all things Women 40 Plus right now, I'm excited for today's interview with Dr. Karen Dunstan. Like myself and my mom, Dr. Karen has been through the ringer when she was trying to get her hormones back on track, and that journey back to wellness inspired her to shift her focus as a traditional OBGYN and focus on root cause medicine. Go, Dr. Karen. And we're going to be hearing all about that today. We will be addressing some of the biggest root causes for menopause, including a limiting belief mindset, because culture has painted a picture of how it should look or how it needs to look for women in menopause, and we are going to flip that upside down. Dr. Kieran and I are on the same wavelength when it comes to redefining menopause and how to own it like a boss. But before I bring Dr. Kieran on, I want to take a moment and celebrate you Every day, every single day, I get to hear from new listeners who are recommended by you. One such listener is Christy Bolton, and she reached out to me on Instagram a little over a week ago. Here's what Christy had to say. Every friend I know, including my sisters and me, have estrogen dominance, and we've never officially been diagnosed by our doctor. After hearing your estrogen dominance assessments in your episode, I knew immediately, I related to almost every single symptom, and the reasons for it made even more sense. Your diet supplementations, your liver support recommendations are working for me. My breasts don't hurt as much anymore, my periods are not as heavy, and I'm losing weight for the first time in five years. I'm now convinced that I need to stay on this program for the time being. Feeling this great is worth making changes and committing to them. Thank you so much, Dr. Marisa, for your spot on recommendations. Well, thank you so much, Christy, for sharing your epic win. I am so, so happy to shout you out today and can't explain how excited I am for your transformation. It is the best feeling in the world when you know you've turned a corner. It offers so much hope and confidence, I know because I've been there, and it just propels you to do more for yourself. Now, if you're listening, Christine, I would love to gift you a signed copy of the EO Hormone Solution book along with a personal note from me, just reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Marisa, and we will get it out to you ASAP. Now, if you're listening, first, welcome to this episode. In case you're wondering about the episode that Christine was actually referring to, it was how to naturally reverse estrogen dominance, especially during perimenopause, and that was episode 167. And if this podcast or any interview has helped you in any way, I would love to shout you out too. You can reach out to me via Instagram, Facebook, or simply review this podcast on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you love to plug into. That way, together, we are changing the way women think about their bodies and empowering them with the knowledge to become the CEO of their health. So let's jump into this amazing conversation with Dr. Karen, but before I bring her on, I want to quickly sing her praises. Leading by example, OBGYN Dr. Karen Dunstan lost a life changing 100 pounds and healed herself from chronic disease by addressing the root causes of her overweight and dysfunction. This personal transformation in turn caused a professional one, and she left her OBGYN practice in 2011 to pursue helping women to heal with this revolutionary type of natural medicine after becoming a fellowship trained in anti aging, metabolic, and functional medicine. She is here to shine a light on how to become a menopause boss. Let's bring her on. Welcome to the Essentially You podcast. Dr. Karen, how are you doing today, girl? I'm doing wonderful. Great to be with you, Dr. Marisa. Oh my goodness. I am so, so happy to have you on today. We had such a marvelous conversation on your podcast and it just felt like such a great fit to have you come on to mine and share your brilliance with us today.
0: Thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here. Yes, it was a great connection and looking
1: forward to sharing with your listeners how to be a menopause boss. Oh my gosh. And my listeners are ready to have this conversation. They are so ready. But I want to first, you know, I want to first have you tell you your story. Dr. Karen, I know you're an OBGYN and you have really taken a functional approach to healing patients and to healing yourself. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey and how you got into this beautiful work of supporting women at, at at this particular age in their life? Sure, well, as
0: I slid into menopause, when it was just starting, I was in the perimenopause, I was having all kinds of health problems. I weighed 243 pounds, I had chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, depression, anxiety, my hair was falling out, I had no sex drive, and I looked 20 years older than I actually was. And I tried to use all the tools I had as a board certified MD specializing in women's health to figure out what was wrong and fix it. But all my tests would come back, quote unquote, normal. And even my internal medicine doctor said, there's really nothing wrong with you. And I got to the point where I knew there was something wrong. Clearly, I was not healthy. But I thought if this is what life is going to be, I don't even know if I want to live it because it was such a miserable existence. And then I discovered functional medicine, which I know you're a naturopathic doctor. is really like the MD's naturopathic training. And I started to learn about it and do different tests that I didn't know about as a board-certified ob and find hormone imbalances, food sensitivities, functional stool problems, heavy metal problems, toxicities, all the things that you work with all the time. I started uncovering and then I started using natural treatments to treat myself. And oh, after two years, I had lost 100 pounds and I was off all prescription medications, had no pain in my body, had energy like when I was 20, and I looked 20 years younger. So I really regained my life, Marisa, and all my patients who were middle-aged women with the same problem started saying, what are you doing? Because we want that. So I started doing this work with them. This is probably around 2009, 10. And they, of course, got the same results. And after a couple years, I decided it, I wasn't ethically in alignment giving people drugs and doing surgery anymore, that I needed to do this full time. So I retired from OBGYN in 2011. I've done this full time since. And I'm very passionate about helping women of all ages with their hormone. Balance, because I think that's the foundation of health, but also particularly fond of helping menopausal women because I think that we're very underserved. And I want women to know that it's possible to slide into menopause through the perimenopause and into menopause and maintain your weight at a low normal weight, maintain your energy and be vitally alive, not only look beautiful, but feel beautiful and energized
1: and brilliant from within. Mm, I love your mission. Sign <laughs> me up. All right. Now, we're talking about, like you said, we're talking about serving 50 million women here in this country. I I didn't realize that 6,000 women per day come online and enter into menopause. So we are serving a big, big, incredibly beautiful, wise group of women, and I'm excited to really not only have this conversation, but talk about, I know you've got not only how to become a menopause boss, but four steps to thriving in menopause. And so tell me what, for you, as you've been serving these beautiful women for quite some time, what exactly is a menopause boss? Well, a menopause boss is someone who takes ownership
0: of this time of life and creates it to be the best time of her life. A lot of women think that menopause is the end, the end of fertility, the end of vitality, retirement is just coming. I hear women say this all the time. Oh, I'm just waiting till I can retire. Well, no, this really should be the most vital and alive time of your life because you take all the knowledge and wisdom that you have gotten from years and decades of living on this planet. And then you can Share it with others. I once had an attorney tell me that the best, juror, most desirable jurors on a trial are menopausal women because they are the wisest. And really, it's true not only in the courtroom, but it's true in life. That energy that was going to the lower chakras to create additional life and children and maybe produce for the family in the and in the workplace now has gone up to the higher chakras like into the heart chakra and can be expressed as love in the world and usually we've accumulated skills that are unique and had experiences that are unique and we see things with a perceptive lens that is very mature and wise and so i really encourage women to take that energy into the world. And so a menopause boss is someone who owns that.
1: Yes. Yes. And I love that. So someone who owns their power moving forward, recognizing the gifts that they have, moving into this next kind of redefining midlife for themselves. I always think about my mama as a menopause boss, because I, you know, really, and I know there's a lot of confusion around perimenopause and menopause, but menopause being that kind of just defining moment where your, your cycle has been gone for for twelve for twelve months, and then at that point you're just pretty much in menopause from that point forward. And my mom, you know, she has she has owned it to the umpteenth degree. I'll tell you what, she is loving this time in her life. Um, she's about to run the New York Marathon, and just love that she's out age is nothing but a number to my mama. She is just doing her thing and just owning, like she loves her freedom. She loves, it's her time to do her thing. You know what I'm saying? And I just, I just love that. Cause I, it just, it shows me, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm I just want to be like my mama when I grow up, you know, and, and really feel that level of energy that she's experiencing. And it's a lot because of the things that we're going to be talking about today. I know that we talked about how you became interested, and I know that it's, it's specifically that you believe that it's really the best time in a woman's life. Can we jump into those four phases? Like, what, I know there's a lot of women listening to it who are like, man, I really want to feel like I'm owning this time. I really want to feel like a boss in my own life. What are ways in which we can, we can shift from wanting to feel that way and really embracing how to feel that way? Well,
0: the first thing you've got to do to be a menopause boss is you absolutely have to get your hormones balanced. There are seven major hormones that I work with women on. There are hundreds of other hormones, but we work with seven major ones for our major metabolic drivers. And just briefly, those include thyroid, insulin, DHEA, and cortisol. And then we work with the sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, because they are vital for our sexual energy. But also you have more of these sex hormone receptors in the rest of your body. So for instance, in your central nervous system, so they're important for cognitive function, for mood, for memory. And so every system has receptors for these hormones. So yes, it's about sex and it's about so much more than that. But also most women have a significant decrease in their cortisol by the time they hit menopause. So cortisol is that stress hormone that comes from the adrenal glands and DHEA is its backup. And it has taken hits over the years. And if you've never tended to taking care of your cortisol, which in mainstream medicine, we don't even talk about that with patients. If you haven't taken adaptogens or detoxified or mitigated stress on effects on your cortisol, then your cortisol has had a certain degree of stress and it's going to have a tenuous position. Well, it regulates your sleep-wake cycle. So if you're having insomnia or fatigue, then cortisol is generally involved. It regulates your weight. So if you're having difficulty losing weight, your cortisol is probably involved, particularly if you have weight around the midsection. And most importantly, it regulates your immune system function. And so if you are prone to getting colds, when everyone at the office gets that cold or flu and you think, oh my gosh, I know I'm going to get it, you've got a cortisol problem. And that's important because If your immune system is not functioning well, it puts you at increased risk for things like cancer because we all make cancers every day, but the immune system comes behind and gets rid of it. Well, if your cortisol is not optimized, then that puts you at risk. So we start with the foundation of hormones. And when you tune all those up, it decreases weight to a normal range, rebalances sleep, get your energy back up, your hair, skin, and nails respond well, and your immune system improves so that you don't become prone to getting every virus or bacteria that comes around or cancer. And that really creates the foundation for being a
1: menopause boss. Hmm. I really want to just uh, speak to the stress response system, our perceived stress response system and cortisol. I think a lot of the reasons, and I know that you've probably seen this yourself, a lot of the reasons that we see women even struggling with perimenopause is going to be related to how our bodies have been addressing Uh, we've been overburdening the system with our stress response system. And I find that a lot of symptoms that we have in perimenopause and in menopause are very much related to the wear down of our bodies due to that chronic stress. I was at an event over the weekend where there was, I'm going to say the average woman was 45 to 55 years old, about 250 of these women. And I was was speaking on women's hormones and I I had a flood of women coming up to me who were exhausted, who felt like they were stressed 24 seven. Who felt extremely anxious and then ultimately was were struggling with weight issues, we're struggling with cravings, we're struggling with with mood issues and brain fog, but they were just living in this kind of this this cycle of stress. And I, I, I just thought to myself, like, this is one of, the, one of the biggest root causes I see for women when we're trying to take care of everybody else, we really begin to see the breakdown of, of our own body. Like you said, the immune system, our insulin levels, our thyroid levels take a major hit when we're, when we're in a stress state. And a lot of what looks like menopause and perimenopause feels like kind of the repercussions of us being in that stress state for decades on end.
0: Yes. I actually call menopause the straw that broke the camel's back because the camel was already limping and already having a hard time. And that is cortisol. And, you know, I always call cortisol, thyroid and insulin, the three musketeers, you know, And so they hang out together and they affect each other. And so it's this chronic assault on our cortisol that a lot of times is what brings our thyroid down or affects our insulin. But most people, most women, by the time they're 35, 40 years old, have significant cortisol insult. And then here comes menopause, right? (laughs) The the decreasing of the sex hormones and and the camel just says, that's it. I've had enough. And everyone blames it on menopause forgetting that the cortisol was probably already having a problem. And so that's one of the things that I do when I work with women is I help them to understand what's happening with their body, because I think knowledge is power so that they're empowered to then make choices about what to do. And it's not just, they know it's not just about the sex hormones. It's about my cortisol. Mm-hmm. It's so
1: true. Well, I mean, and, and we wonder why, why is there this massive in, like massive, push or, or recommendation around the sex hormones. And it's really, it it, it was a, it's been a marketing, it's been a, the way that we've marketed it. Like we, you know, we haven't really looked at enough of, and this, like you mentioned before, just an underrepresented group of women where we haven't been looking at the root causes for what's really driving why we don't feel well, what's driving the fatigue, what's driving the insomnia, what's driving the the weight gain and the the, the belly fat, like what's, what's really driving these. And the shift of those reproductive hormones definitely does not make things easier, but what was going on even five, 10 years prior, you know, that got us to this point. So I'm so grateful that you're mentioning that. The other thing I know is a big player here, and it has a major, major has major implications, has a major impact on our stress hormones, our thyroid, and our insulin is going to be toxicity and what's going on with that liver of ours and our gut, our estrobolome and our microbolome. Can you speak to me a little bit about what should we be mindful of when it comes to toxins?
0: Right. So that is my next category that that comes after hormone imbalance and toxicity equals inflammation if you're listening. So that's ultimately what kills us. And I like to give people a a picture of that. And that's the rust that happens inside our body that uh, ultimately affects all of our organs and causes us to die. So toxicity Equals inflammation equals bad. You want to get rid of it. And most of us, just like we haven't been taught to tend to our cortisol because it's not a part of the mainstream lexicon, we haven't been taught to detoxify our body properly. When I practiced regular OBGYN, patients would ask me all the time, Do I need to detoxify? And what was I taught to say? No, your body takes care of it. And then when I got into functional medicine, what I learned is that nothing could be further from the truth. We are inundated with toxins. I mean, 85,000 new chemicals introduced into the environment since 1950. Each person has traces of 400 toxic chemicals in her body. We are inundated in a soup of toxins, and your body cannot get rid of these on its own. It needs help. And if you have certain genetic predispositions, you may be more prone to holding on to these things. So, what are we talking about, Marisa? So, we know we're talking about the Cosmetics that we use, the makeup that we use, toiletries. We're talking about our home cleaning products. We're talking about the furnishings in our home that off-gas, construction materials that off-gas, gasoline in our environment. We're also talking about EMFs, electromagnetic frequencies from the electronics that we use. We're talking about the heavy metals that are so prevalent in our environment. For instance, we still have significant lead in our water source just from having leaded gasoline decades ago. So we are inundated with these toxins and we have to, oh and then plastics, gotta mention those. Girl right? Plastics. <laughs> plastics. <laughs> I mean make our, the
1: world better with plastic. The Just pesticides
0: kidding. and the yes. herbicides glyphosate, and the hormones yeah. in our feet and the glyphosate and the BPA and the um phthalates and the list goes on and on. I actually had a great podcast episode with Laura Adler, one of my first episodes, and she kind of ran it down. But she's so funny because she says, you know, if you if you go too deeply into talking about these toxins, people get really people. upset.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: scared. So I don't want anyone listening to be scared because it's totally
1: fixable. Yes, absolutely. I just had her on recently. She's one of my dearest friends and every time I bring her on, she brings the truth business, right? Just really enough to just let people know what's going on. Right. Just enough
0: to let you know that it. this is serious, right? These chemicals get into your body. Your body doesn't know what to do with them. It packs some of them away in in fat. And in fact, if you are carrying extra weight that you can't get rid of, one of the main reasons might be because you have too much toxicity and your body stores it there because it knows if it's just flies around your body and your bloodstream, it's going to injure cells. And so it says, okay, we're going to put you in, I call it the fat jail. We're going to put you in the fat jail and keep you there. Well, then you're working out like crazy and starving yourself and you can't lose weight. Well, why? Because your body knows if it unlocks those cells and lets the toxins out and the fat out that you're going to get sick. And this is often times why you will see people who've had gastric bypass actually get Pretty ill within the months after they have that gastric bypass because the toxins are forced out, but they have nowhere to go. They can't get out. And your main sanitation department is your liver. And you've got to do things to rev it up. There are herbs that you can take. Your body needs more than the RDA of nutrients to process and get rid of those chemicals. So if you're just eating the RDA or you're eating nutrient depleted food, which is processed food, like a lot of us do, then you're not getting the nutrients. You've got to take a a robust multivitamin mineral nutrient supplement and and people say well i take women's one a day no not enough right and also full of toxins so if you're taking just as a point of reference, a a multivitamin mineral nutrient supplement that's worth its weight, you're going to be taking something like 12 to 14 loose fill capsules a day. So it's really a lot of nutritional resources that you need on board. And then your liver dumps these chemicals into the gut. And that's actually, so phase one and phase two detox happen in the liver, and then phase three goes on in the gut. You've got to have great uh, microbiome in there, good healthy bacteria to process those and help get them out. You can't be constipated, which constipation is rampant. Cause if you're not taking, I call it taking out the trash. If you're not taking out the trash,
1: it doesn't it, matter how many right. detox supplements you're taking. I it don't care matter. how many green juices you're drinking. <laughs> if you're not pooping, It's not moving out. None of those toxins, you're not not doing any level of detoxification at that point. You're just doing a level of trash recycling inside of the body. You are
0: recycling, (laughs) and your body's just taking those toxins back in, and you're also using up your nutritional resources because it takes energy and resources for your body to take that stuff back in, which estrogen byproducts in particular, it will do that, and then recycle them. So you have got to get this stuff out. Using deprivation therapy like sauna is oftentimes very helpful because toxins like we talked about earlier will be stored in fat, particularly because they're somewhat lipophilic. They're fat-loving. And so doing sauna, doing dry brushing, rebounding to help your lymph move, these are all very important. Getting enough fiber so it can sweep through your colon and bind up some of these toxins. So there are a lot of things that you can do to detoxify and get rid of this stuff because otherwise it is really causing inflammation in the body, which is what kills us ultimately.
1: Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Amen to that. So, (laughs) and I know as we're talking about the liver and the gut, I have a feeling that the third stage is all about nutrition. I have a feeling nutrition's coming up. It is. That's number all right. three, right?
0: So <laughs> to be a menopause boss, you've got to have that proper nutrition. Like we just mentioned, it's not enough to do the RDAs. Those were created back in the 1950s. They do not hold weight now. Your nutritional resources, I call it nutritional prosperity. You've got to have that nutritional prosperity, right? You don't just need money in the bank. You need B vitamins and C and E and all these nutrients for your body to process these toxins, to make hormones, to run the nervous system and to heal. The body naturally wants to heal itself, but when it doesn't have the resources, it can't. And that's when you start noticing problems. And it could be fatigue or sleeplessness or all of the other things we've talked talked about overweight but also we talk about nutrient nutritional resources of sunlight and oxygen. So your body's ability to take the oxygen out of the air and extract it and get it to the tissues and your, your cells ability to use that oxygen properly starts going down the older you get by the time you're 30, 40, and even going into your fifties and sixties. So oxygen therapies have been very helpful in healing various diseases and preventing aging and reversing aging, whether it's hyperbaric oxygen or just um, high concentration oxygen or it's ozone therapy, which O3, three molecules of oxygen are unstable. And so it'll donate some oxygen and force it into your cells. So getting enough oxygen, water nutrient is very important. So many of us are dehydrated and That also feeds back to the toxicity part of being a menopause boss because in order to flush these toxins out, you need to be properly hydrated. So I always say to my patients, I say, well, I don't like water. I don't like drinking. I don't like the taste of it. I say, okay, so this is what I want you to think about what you're doing to your body by not drinking enough water. It's like going to the bathroom in your toilet all day and never flushing it, right? Because you're 60 to 70 percent water. So they immediately get a picture and they say, Oh, I'm gonna learn to like water. And you can learn to like water. Our taste preferences, we do are born with a little bit of a preference for fat and sugar. Those are survival needs. But other than that, they are very much learned, right? So if we we're born and raised in India, we're gonna like Indian spices for born and raised in China, we're going to more favor those spices and flavors, but you can learn to change that. And so simple thing you can do is just start diluting whatever it is that you routinely like to drink and sequentially start diluting it more and more and more. And you can kind of trick yourself.
1: Put lemons and limes and mint and cucumbers and pineapples in your water. Make little water infusions. Right. Make water infusions. And you
0: can put, if you can't stand it because it's not sweet, you could put stevia or monk fruit sweetener to start with. Although I think it's best to try and get yourself... So
1: I love just, water. I do too. <laughs> I love water too. I'm just so blown away. I, I wrote a book a while back on water infusion because I knew that there was a, we, a majority of us are chronically dehydrated. And it's literally like, you. it's just sludge in there. You know, and it's like, I love your, your. I love um, the way that you describe it. It's like going to the bathroom in your toilet and you never flush it. Like, ew, that is so That's nasty. Right there, right? And we just say that. And I mean, I hope everyone hearing that just grabbed their water bottle, like right then and there. And, you know, I think the other tip too is to always have a water bottle on you, you know, always have it. I never, ever leave my house without my water bottle just toting around with me in my purse wherever I'm going so that it's always available to me. I think in the more that we are drinking more water, the more you'll notice how dehydrated you get. You'll feel your mouth getting more dry. You'll, your, cause your body really is craving that level of hydration, the more you do it, the more your body's going to be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I haven't had enough water. And at the very least, I always tell people start your day with 20 ounces of lemon water in the morning. And then if you are not pooping, take that magnesium citrate, that magnesium oxide before you go to bed and just drink another 16 to 20 ounces of water before going to bed too. Unless the big concern is that you wake up in the middle of the night. If that's not an issue for you, I say just drink a bunch of water in the in the morning and at night before going to bed. So that's one of the things I do every day.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. I I definitely agree with that practice. Make sure your water bottle, though, is something like glass, glass. or metal. You yes. don't want
1: plastic. No so. plastic anything. Get, yeah. Chuck chuck it chuck all. The plastic. Chuck, <laughs> chuck the plastic. It is Pyrex everywhere in my home. And, and, you know, we talk about plastic. And goodness knows everything is coated in plastic, you know. And it's just being like, you know, our my big thing of greens that we make our green smoothies in. I'm I'm drinking out of a little plastic um, bottle right here. Do every, do the best you can in, in that way to avoid as much plastic as possible. So, you know, I've got my little, we we have so many of these little, little little Yetis in our house and clean canteens everywhere. Okay. So I love, I love the hydration. Any other tips on nutrition that you wanted to focus on? Well,
0: just eating as much as
1: possible, whole foods, unprocessed foods, organic
0: foods, that really is what our body needs. And part of what I do in the toxicity sector is help people to identify any food sensitivities that they have and avoid those foods. Oftentimes, gluten and dairy are in there. But what I'll see on the nutrition realm is people say, okay, I'm gluten-free, and they go to the store and buy all this these gluten-free products. That are essentially junk food. But because it says gluten-free, people think, well, I'm following what she said, and that's healthy. And so we have to have a lot of education around. And if this is you listening, gluten-free doesn't mean just substitute highly processed foods with a lot of highly processed foods. Highly processed foods, (laughs) right.
1: A conglomeration of highly processed foods, a different um, kind of highly processed foods. Right. I don't know how they're able to take almonds and cashews and turn them into bread. It blows my mind. It's like we will, they
0: will take and just imagine what you have to do to some nuts. I, I recently tasted this um, cheese that was a uh, plant-based cheese, and I was fabulous. I go, this is so good. What's in it. And I look at it and I swear there were like 30 ingredients and they were things that you really don't want to eat, even though they're not cow's milk dairy. I'd rather eat cow's milk dairy.
1: Right. At least it's straight. You know where that came right. from. I don't know where all these 30 ingredients had to be processed and, and had to, yeah. Where, how were they made? Where did they come from? I have a five ingredient or less rule. I love that. I usually say eight, but five is even better. I keep it real. I'm like, this is how this is the tight ingredient list. (laughs) And no sugar in any of those ingredients. No sugar. So that's the only thing
0: I would add on the nutrition sector. I do include mitochondrial health under nutrition because they are our ATP producers, our energy producers, and they're so nutrient dependent. They're
1: hardy, but they're somewhat fragile. They're very fragile. They're also they're stress dependent or they, they don't they don't like stress and they do not like toxins, you know. They they are quite, quite sensitive, you know, they they just want a perfect environment to, to make energy for you in. We talk a lot about mitochondria on this show. Okay, Girl, get in it.
0: (laughs) Yes. I consider them like little pets, you know, and you have all these little pets and not like rodent pets, but like dogs and cats. Like your favorite, favorite dog. (laughs) Your favorite dog. The one, you know, is like your your third child. (laughs) Yes. And so they really need nurturing. They need proper nutrition. Like how do you feed your dog and your cat? What do you, you know, you love them and you care for them and you feed them properly and you make sure they always have water, right? You don't feed your dog Coke.
1: No, no, you do not. You know, you're not feeding your dog a bunch of Cheetos, you know, you're not giving your dog chocolate chip cookies, you know, you're not, no, that's that's all bad things for your, for your dog, right? We're giving, I mean, we've really changed the way we think about feeding our animals, and nourishing our animals. But yeah, these little mitochondria, if you're wondering why you are waking up tired or while you're dragging your booty at four o'clock in the afternoon, you just go have a conversation with those millions of mitochondria because they're the ones that are slacking on the job. And it's because they're they're either nutrient depleted or they're they're stressed in their own right. And we have a cell protection mechanism that when our body, our cells feel like they're in danger. They do a shutdown. We have a shutdown mechanism, and we have too many of your cells that are shutting down, or mitochondria shutting down. You are going to feel it literally. What you know, it's going to de- it's going to determine whether you work out at five o'clock. It's going to determine whether you do all those activities over the weekend. It's going to determine whether you finish that project or you are able to stay focused at work. That's what's driving that level of energy for you. It needs to be you know, and it, all the things that we've been talking about today, Dr. Karen and I are connected to supporting your mitochondria.
0: Yeah. You got to get the toxins out. And and really, I guess you could come up with a model that it's all about mitochondria. It really is (laughs) because without them functioning properly, you don't have health. You don't have energy. You don't really have anything because they really are the powerhouses that create the energy. So it's like considering if in your city, all the power plants went down, what can you get done? You can't You know, you can't drive your car, you can't turn on your computer, you can't use your phone, you can't do anything. So that's what your mitochondria are. They're the power plants, like in your city, in your body. And the the hormones produce the signals that communicate with them. So hormones, toxicity, nutritional deficiency, vital for your mitochondria to be happy and healthy.
1: Mm, uh, amen. Yeah, loving this conversation more <laughs> and more. We're like soul sisters. Right. The final number four, and I mean, I feel like this this connects into everything that we're talking about. Talk to me about the spiritual, the mental, the emotional support. What we can do to help support ourselves because it's the number one thing you and I hear about every day you know? Yeah. So the mental,
0: emotional, spiritual, the unseen things, the things that you can't, I
1: call them the intangibles, the intangibles,
0: no five senses, right? The six sensory things. So a lot of people can relate to it because they know about it as part of acupuncture, right? Acupuncture, which has been validated with the meridians where you can access the energetic flow in these meridians and alter the flow through them. And and all disease is seen as a blockage in these meridians. Well, those energetic meridians, you can't see them. You can't hear them, smell them, taste them, touch them, but they exist. And they have to do with a lot of the thoughts you think, the feelings you feel, and the beliefs that you have, and your connection to yourself and something greater than yourself. And so those are those intangibles. I, a lot of times have women look at, and it's interesting because those three areas we talked about really also relate to the intangibles. So I have them look at how disease might be being created in their lives based on the thoughts, feelings, beliefs they have with hormone balance. So how does this relate? I know some people think, what is she talking about? Okay. So hormones are communicators in your body. They take information and send messages from one place to another. So it's kind of like the wireless internet in your house. That's what I call hormones. And you also have a power greater than you that you can harness to help you with your health. So I always like people to start with a vision. I don't, do you talk about visioning
1: at all with your people? We talk so much. I mean, <laughs> we're talking more and more about visioning and intention. You know, I would love for you to go into it. Yeah. So I talk
0: to people about, and I have an exercise where I'll usually have them write out some things that have happened in their life that they can't explain how they it happened, but it appears that something larger than themselves was at work. It's more than a coincidence, but it's almost like something cons inspired to make things happen. It could be great things and it could be harmful things. And so I have them write out those three instances. Think of three instances in your life, usually that are very powerful experiences that were really positive or really negative, and then look for the larger meaning in it. And so if most people start doing this and some people are on board right away, they're like, oh no, I believe in, in God, they call it. And people say, no, I don't believe in God, but they will start seeing that there are certain patterns that will happen that are bigger than they could have created themselves. And so there is something out there and some people say, well, I don't know what it's called and I don't believe in God, but I'm going to call it source or spirit or the the divine or energy or whatever you want to call it. I'm not attached to it. So really looking at how you can harness this aspect of the world to work for you and help you to create what, it, what you're wanting in your life for your health and for everything else, your career, creativity, relationships, finances, fun, free time, whatever. But I like people to write a health vision and create a health vision board that creates the energy around what they are wanting to create and it could be something like you know I'm so happy and grateful now that I weigh 140 pounds or whatever the weight is and I fit in my size whatever jeans and and all the things that you do and how you feel I go scuba diving with friends and I have so much energy and I love to go to salsa dancing I just came back from a salsa conference this weekend and boy, did we dance. And I love dancing and expressing myself creatively and meeting with other people in this way. And so really harnessing the power that exists, whatever you want to call it, to use to create what you want in your life. And I think that as a menopause boss, you really know by this time in your life how to create things, not necessarily by action. Yes, we've got to take some action, but setting that in intention, the power of intention is huge. And so I like to start there. And then I have an exercise that I have people do. Yes, we've got toxicity in our body that causes inflammation, but we have toxicity our intangible bodies so what is toxic in your life people places things and things are thoughts beliefs attitudes right so i have people do an exercise where they write out what are all the toxic things in their life that aren't physically toxic so not the plastics and things we talked about earlier but Maybe there's that friend who always is negative or somewhat emotionally abusive to you who you never feel good around. You got to put their name on there. The energy Maybe, vampire. Energy vampire. Maybe it's that one room in your house where you've just been throwing stuff that you didn't Ooh. want for the past 10 years. <laughs> but you, don't, you just can't face it, right? And if you feel toxic every time you eat, anyone brings it up. And You're like, you don't talk to me about that room. <laughs> right. <laughs> or it could be other places. Maybe your car has just become a, a trash can and that feels toxic. Or maybe you have persistent negative thoughts that you think, you know, at work, maybe you're always judging other people and maybe you're gossiping about them with coworkers and say, oh yeah, she thinks such and such. And, and you realize that you don't feel so good after you do that. So you make a list of these and then you start looking at, well, can I get rid of it? Can I change it so it's not toxic or can I change how I feel or think about it and change the toxicity level? And I have people score, is it toxic on a scale of one to 10? Where does it rate? And then if this is something I can get rid of and maybe it's not, and then a lot of cases it might not be, you can't necessarily just go quit your job, right? Right. Yes. <laughs> but maybe you could change it. Maybe you could have a conversation with your friends at work and say, you know, Hey, I know we've Gossiped about, but I don't feel good about it. I don't think it's helping us or supporting us in doing that, participating in that negativity. How about instead we make a pact that we only talk about good things about people that we like about them and see what they say? Now, some people might say that's crazy, we're not going to do that, but you find, I find that a lot of people, when you ask them to go to higher ground with you, they are ready and willing to do it. So maybe they'll say yeah and then you you change the toxicity of that and that's not toxic anymore. And maybe you start you maybe you can't change it. People still gonna gossip at work and maybe they say no that's whack we're not doing that. And then maybe what you do is you just don't participate. And maybe when they start gossiping, you just excuse yourself and go elsewhere. And you just say a prayer in your head and say, well, I know they're doing the best that they can in this situation. So then you change how you feel about it. You don't get upset about it. So I have people do that. And then with the nutrition level, just like we have nutritional support in our physical body, we need nutritional support in our mental, emotional, spiritual bodies. And so I have people do the same list. What do you have that supports you? People, places, things, and things include thoughts, feelings, beliefs. What do you have that support you in creating your health the way you want it and creating your life the way you want it and rate it on a scale of one to 10. And then if you don't have enough, could you get new support? Maybe you could ask a friend, uh, maybe you need a workout buddy. You just can't, can't make it at five o'clock to the gym. So who could you get to support you with that? work? uh, Studies have shown that workout buddies do improve your chances of sticking with a workout routine more regularly. So maybe you solicit a friend and say, hey, would you like to work out with me every day at five? I'm having trouble sticking with that. And you get yourself additional support. Or maybe you look at, you're not the cook in your family. And maybe the person who cooks is meals that I say are not in your best interest. Maybe they're not the healthiest for what you're needing. And so maybe you have a conversation. Maybe you can change that. Maybe you can talk with them and say, hey, I know you're the cook. This is what I'm needing. Do you think we could make some changes and see if you can change a level maybe three or four support to a level eight or nine support? And really looking at getting yourself what you need and then also examining your, your thoughts you think and the beliefs that you have if you have repetitive negative thoughts like if you take a a bite of your friend's cake at dinner and you weren't intending to eat cake and maybe that's on your not eat do not eat list Do you then go down the slide of beating yourself up and saying, oh, you're a loser, you can't do what you commit to do, you always fail, you break your diet, and then next thing you know, you're feeling shame about yourself and you're eating more cake to numb that feeling, right? So really looking at your thoughts and the beliefs that you have. You know, one of my favorite examples of this, just briefly, is a patient who she was doing great with her program. Weight was one of her big concerns. And so we had modified her diet. Cake was not on her plan. And she kept violating her own commitment to herself by eating cake. And so I said, okay, when's the last time you ate cake? Let's look at what happened before that and have this see it process I have people do, where they see themselves doing something not in their best interest and then they examine it for what's going on and explore it. And so we kind of reround what was happening. She had picked her son up at school. He was very upset because he hadn't done as well on a test as he thought he would have or wanted to. And he was just kept beating himself up and saying, I'm stupid. I don't understand. Why can't I do it? I'll never get it. And she was trying to console him, but he wouldn't be consoled. They got home. And next thing she knows, she's giving him a piece of cake to make him feel better. And she's eating cake. <laughs> and then she felt terrible about herself. And so what we really got at after we did this exercise and what were you, what happened? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What must you believe? What happened? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What must you have believed? And so it came down to the fact that she was feeling like she was not a good enough mother because she could not console her child no matter what she did. And that the belief under there must be that in order to be a quote-unquote good mother, she had to be able to alleviate all distress in her child at all times. And then we asked, do you really want to believe that? And she said, no, that's crazy. <laughs> no mother can always alleviate. They have to learn some level of self-soothing. And so she realized she was eating the cake to numb the discomfort of feeling like She wasn't a good enough mother, but the truth was she was a good enough mother. And so when she could start seeing that and seeing how she was kind of doing this to herself because of these beliefs, and she looked at those intangible thoughts, feelings, and beliefs that nobody else was talking to her about, she was so relieved. Because then she could say, I don't want to believe that, and I don't believe that. And next time, I can do what I can do to help console him. And then he's going to have to learn how to soothe himself. And I'm not going to eat cake. (laughs) I love it. Right. So it's really looking uh, with people at all the intangibles, like you said, Dr. Marisa, intangible toxicities, intangible nutritional assets, and intangible power that we can harness to help us live our optimal
1: lives. I love it. Dr. Kieran, you have brought the business today. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Such a source of wisdom. I love the way that you, you make it feel so much easier and you really bring to the forefront what we need to be looking at. Where can we plug into more of you? Tell us about the podcast. Tell us about where we can go and check you out. Sure. I'd love for everyone to check me out at Her Brilliant
0: Health Radio. That's the podcast. We have new episodes weekly with a new expert each week. And my website is Kieran Dunstan, MD, and it's spelled K-Y-R-I-N. Dunston, D-U-N-S-T-O-N-M-D.com. And I have the same URL on Facebook and Instagram. And I've got some great YouTube videos for people to watch some specifically about menopause, if you're interested about in that or also on women's health in general.
1: I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a pleasure to have you today.
0: Such a pleasure to be here and spend time with your listeners, um, sharing how they can be a menopause boss. And really all these tools apply to every age. Don't tell anyone. I that.
1: know. Yeah. I know <laughs> it. Thank you. Yes, ev- exactly. We can start this at 20. Definitely be in better, yes. better shape and in, in our fifties if we handle this at an earlier age. Absolutely. 20. Woo. Talk about some real talk for each and every one of us. So much of what Dr. Kieran and I see with women in menopause, a lot of it is accumulated from years before when we have felt overextended and overworked, when we've leaned on sugar for energy, and when we got exposed to environmental toxins, which you know I go into this podcast all the time. I love digging into the environmental concerns that are affecting our endocrine system. And guess what? It all points to inflammation. It doesn't matter where you are in your health journey. It also doesn't matter what age you are. You've got to have a foundation in place and food along with proper supplementation is at the base. Our bodies can't function without the proper building blocks, especially when we're stressed. I don't know if you know, but when we're stressed, we blow through key nutrients so fast so that daily multivitamin just isn't cutting it or you would feel different. Whether it's an autoimmune condition or stubborn belly fat, or you think that there is nothing you can do because you are past menopause, I want you to know that it doesn't have to be complicated. Focusing on food and key nutrients is the first step, and it always will be. That's how we get control of the inflammation. Now, I know supplementation can be tricky. So I've created a perfect hormone cheat sheet of my top 11 vitamins, herbs, cofactors, and minerals needed to have you feeling your best. Many of these I take every single day because they've made such a massive transformation in my own life. And you can grab this little handy cheat sheet that you can reference anytime for episode 174. So that's this episode. We will have the link to the cheat sheet for my top 11 hormone supplements. That way you can check them out. Make sure that you are taking them. If not, make sure to be adding them into your routine. I also want to invite you to check out Dr. Karen's podcast, Her Brilliant Health Radio. I was just on it. We had such a fun conversation. And check out her website, drkarendunstonmd.com. I will have both of these things in the show notes for episode 174 as well. So thank you so much for stopping by and listening in to the Essentially You podcast. On the next episode... I am diving into root causes for acne and other skin issues with Melissa Gallico. We are going to get in the nitty gritty of some of the biggest toxins driving skin issues. No surprise that your skin is a, a place where it has to manage and address toxins head on if your liver and your other detox pathways can't handle it. Melissa and I are going to geek out on that in the next show. So join us and until then, have an amazing day.